with kids on a very special additional made a fourth episode from a parenting point of view i'm your host eric and joining me is hawk hi hawk hey may the fourth be with you eric may the fourth be with you and we have another special little window here hi julian hey may the fourth be with you may the fourth be and with you isn't that what um as a catholic i'm supposed and to say also with you yes <laughs> Also with you. Julian is our special, special podcasting friend from Everything is Permitted. A an amazing geeky geeky podcast over where oh, are you thanks. from? Uh you're we, outside Pennsylvania? Yeah, Wait, we're we're right, right right outside Philadelphia. We like to call it the greater Philadelphia area. Uh I don't I've been there once, but I don't really remember the area. People I, come for the Liberty Bell and the cheesesteaks and then leave. And that is exactly this. what I did <laughs> as a as a and early twenty year old. Yeah. Um, so we're here talking about Clone Wars, the series finale, season seven, episode 12, Victory or Death. But before we get into that, since it is May the 4th, I thought I'd ask you guys, how did you spend this special Star Wars day? Let's start with Hawk. Uh, mostly working. Uh, took a little time out this afternoon and uh, just plunged right back into control. I'm still trying to finish off the DLC. You didn't even watch Star Wars Day? <laughs> you just did control and then the, this one episode? I had to kind of judge how much time I had in that, so I didn't <laughs> want to start a movie and have to just, you know, walk away from it in the middle that, of it. That's fair. It's not like you haven't seen these movies many, many, many times. Many, many, many <laughs> times. Many, many copies owned. Wait, yes. Is this a Star Wars that, episode? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Julian? What did you do to celebrate May the 4th? Well, as you know, uh, I was up uh, in the wee hours of the morning with you at like 2 a.m. watching this episode. <laughs> the yeah. finale, I actually, <laughs> I binge watched the entire series from 9 a.m. and on May, 9 p.m. on May 3rd, going into May the 4th and finished uh, the series in one sitting. And then oh. uh, today I've done the machete, the machete order. So Ooh. New Hope, Empire, then Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. And uh, when I'm done here, I will probably be highly irresponsible and watch Return of the Jedi. Hmm, interesting. That's not very irresponsible. You got to finish no. off the the, the actual mandatory. the actual Skywalker saga. Uh, so, yeah. Um, for me, I did something weird. I well, not weird. I stayed up obviously, like Julian said, because I randomly was on Disney Plus last night. Just after midnight, I was like, holy shit, it's up. <laughs> <laughs> the finale is up. Goodbye, everyone. I got to go do this. And then later cry about it. I saw your text just before I fall, fell asleep. I was like, oh, he's in for a late night. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But then today I did something that I normally I watch usually the machete order um, with some addendums. I usually add Rogue One in there. But today I just ended up watching Star Wars things that I liked. So I watched... Clone Wars again, the the last season, or at least um, the last four episodes, because I wanted to see them back to back to back to back and see how it flowed. And it flows really well. And then I watched a couple of the movies that I liked. And then I watched some episodes of Rebels because I there's a scene in this in this episode that made me want to rewatch a specific scene in Rebels. Ooh, I know that one. And I know then, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and then I, yeah, I just watched that. I watched Rebels. I watched a couple Clone Wars episodes. And yeah, I just, it was really weird because I was sad about Clone Wars. So I just wanted to see things that made me happy, I guess. And uh, it was just a bunch of different little things that make me happy. Oh, yeah. The new documentary that's on um, Disney Plus 
like the Disney, uh, Disney something, the Disney gallery. Yes. So I don't, that, that seems like a weird name, but the first episode is about the Mandalorians directors and them talking about how much love and care they, they put into the show is really, really heartwarming, especially after, if you listen to our <laughs> most recent episode about Star Wars, you'll hear how I feel about uh, Rise of Skywalker and the sequel trilogy as a whole. Yeah. <sighs> we really yeah. explored the dark side last night. <laughs> <laughs> we really did. There's a lot. If you haven't checked it out, really, you should. It's it's quite um entertaining. We earned that blue E for a reason. In that I, I've been doing some long bike rides during this this crazy time, and if I have to do a shopping trip, I'm listening to your show, or I'm uh, uh, I'll I'll name drop another show real quick, a Star Trek Discovery Pod, and oh, uh, I can't wonderful. wait to go uh, on another bike ride and listen to this deep dive because I have a feeling I'm going to end up uh, agreeing with you guys on a lot of points. <laughs> probably not on the Last Jedi, but probably everything else. We didn't really tear into the Last Jedi too much. That makes me happy. I it was I, more we tore into its director in that because there was a lot of shots at him. Yeah, uh, there was. But not so much the film. You know what? After after watching all three movies back to back, which I did this past weekend, I don't hate The Last Jedi as much as I did, if that makes sense. It's just I I see where he tried to go, I guess, and yeah, I don't know. I appreciate new ideas, but the fact that the third movie didn't even try and move on from them. Just ugh, rise of Skywalker. The movie's Brutal. a mess. It is it's a, mess. a mess. It's horrible. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's get off of this very sad. Yeah, let's get topic. on to something good. Something We're, good. This, this so like we light. so like we do with every Clone Wars episode, we start with a summary. As Ahsoka and Rex try to escape from the cruiser, Maul destroys its hyperdrive, causing the vessel to drop out of hyperspace and into a moon's gravitational field. Forced to fight their way through the clones, Ahsoka tries to prevent Maul from getting away in their shuttle, but she fails, and Maul vanishes. Just barely clearing the doomed ship, Ahsoka and Rex escape to the moon, where they respectfully bury the clones, and Ahsoka discards her remaining lightsaber. Years later, Darth Vader arrives on the moon and recovers Ahsoka's lightsaber from the wrecked cruiser. Credits. Ah. So it, it, it's funny because these episodes have all been just 20, 22 to 24 minutes and mm-hmm. so much is packed in so much emotion, so much feeling it's more emotion and feeling honestly than any of the sequel trilogy films. I'm um, just throwing that out there. But um, so this final episode, Victory or Death, what did you guys think? What do you guys think the title refers to? It's got a main victory for the Empire and the death of the Jedi Order and, you know, basically whatever whatever they stood for at the end and that what they have left is remains with Ahsoka. Mm. Mm. I yeah. think um I think it more is almost a tribute to the clones because I feel like this episode was so much about the relationship between Ahsoka and I know Anakin wasn't in the episode and Obi-Wan but the relationship these Jedi had with the clones and all of these victories and then it's 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 very literal in my opinion. Um, all these victories and then literally, you know, the death of the clones. We know that the Empire starts phasing out clones and replacing them with, you know, grunts and a bunch of idiots who can't aim. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just in the very literal sense, you know, they went from, you know, winning the Clone Wars to, uh, you know, dying and, you know, obviously Order 66. Yeah, the, the, the greatest strength of this series is their humanization of the clones, I feel. Like, we, we've talked 
previously about how when you go from Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith, you feel for the Jedi because they get turned on, but you don't really care about the clone troopers they sort of knock down because they're nameless CGI troopers to us. Having all of these years in the series, you get to learn their individual personalities and how they feel, how they act, how they all have sort of a soul. And a lot of them even have conflicting feelings about the war because they were created for the war, but they might not like fighting in it. So um, I, I feel like that it refers to both. I think both you guys hit the nail on the head because um, I know in this episode, Ahsoka has to come to terms with having to fight her her own troopers, people that she's grown up with and people she respects. But um, I, I think um, you can really see it in Rex's face when they're, when they're having that talk in the control room and Rex being the ever, ever steady soldier is just like, we know what we have to do. We have to go through them. And Ahsoka's like, I don't want to hurt my friends. She has that, she has that morality that every Jedi should have. We talk about her being a great Jedi, like having the ideals of a Jedi, but not having to adhere to the order. And that's something that, uh, it's such a good, good theme that they've kept throughout the last couple seasons of, uh, Clone Wars. Yeah. I think it's actually, it's really funny that you mentioned that because yeah, Ahsoka is a great Jedi, right? Like she even says, I am no Jedi in mm -hmm. Rebels. But at the same time, she is probably a Jedi in the purest possible form. Yeah. These are people who were going to straight up murder her in like some pretty brutal ways. And she was still like, they're my friends. I have fought alongside these people. I have watched their comrades die. I refuse to kill them, even though that in, in all likelihood, we are not going to escape this situation. I thought that said so much about her and, you know, the fact that despite, you know, trying to move away from the order, she embodies everything that it should be. It should. Exactly. Um, you can't even say that Yoda or Obi-Wan did that, right? Because we saw them in the films and they were just mowing down those those troopers um, like they they had to, I guess. Um, it's it's such a it's such a beautiful way to show her relationship, her maturity, especially seeing how little and impetuous she was when the series first started to this person that she is right now, or at least yeah. at the end of the series. It's it's beautiful. Um, There's no more conflict in her and that she knows her past. She knows her values and that and hmm. she makes, you know, she'll stand by any choice she makes. As we saw in here, she chose not to be the one who killed the clones. I know we were uh, worried about the Martez sisters storyline about her trying to find her path, but it really, really set her on that path to be the person she was during order 66. Hmm. And that's such beautiful writing by uh, Dave Filoni. Like, just just fantastic like i can't i can't give enough praise to george lucas and filoni for how much they worked together and how much thought was went into everything and it's it's just a beautiful thing if you do end up watching the disney gallery the first director they talk to is dave filoni and he talks about how he um was under george lucas's wing and how he almost didn't get the job at lucasfilm because he thought it was a prank uh, someone pulled on him. <laughs> he, he was working on Avatar The Last Airbender at the time and Lucasfilm Animation called and he's like, yeah, you know what? There's no real Lucasfilm Animation. This has to be the SpongeBob guys pranking me. Oh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay. Do, do we? I don't know if we want to talk about Maul because he was sort of 
not really important this episode. He's been very important to the series. And her letting him go showed how much she cared for Rex. And um, I don't think there's anything more to talk about. Is is there more that you want to talk about for Maul there? I think for it's Maul. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead, Doc. No, no, I think I, I kind of agree with Eric. He was he was more just he set the events of this episode in motion and then you know, that was it for him. He's got his own path. We know we haven't seen the last of him. We got hallway part two, apparently. Yeah. At the beginning of this, which was <laughs> wonderful. Just um, continues. What I was going to say was, I think, yeah, he, he didn't have a lot to do besides that, but it, it was important. They showed it. So, you know, people who maybe watch this and maybe haven't seen solo yet are a little less confused on why he's in that film. Yeah. And also, you know, for people who watch rebels, why he's in, you know, that situation as well. Yeah, there's there are some great, great little little itty bitty cameos that they've done this whole season. Like they've had a young Kanan show up and we saw Dryden Voss. So the the connecting to the Star Wars that came after Clone Wars is is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the episode, we find out that the ship crashes. There's a lot of parallels in this season to the the third prequel. And that crashing ship is definitely a mirror to the crashing ship at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Um, but there's only two survivors, and it's Ahsoka and Commander Rex. And they take the time to bury each and every one of their their comrades, their brothers. And it's such a beautiful and sad moment. And you can you can see the the weight of it all on both of them, the, the last survivors. And Ahsoka lets go of her lightsaber. She leaves it there, her remaining one. And there's something cathartic about her letting that go, letting this whole past and letting the the clones go from her to start anew. And it's sort of like the end of the series in that moment. What'd you guys think of this scene? I, I love this scene. The fact that it was like entirely wordless, that we didn't even have to hear her speak or have to hear her thoughts. We kind of knew what she was thinking at that time. As soon as you see that lightsaber drop and this was the one that Anakin fixed for made better drops it. Yeah. Made better. And, but she let it go along with all the past. You got to think that during that, when she's looking at her fallen comrades, because that's, that's what they are to her. You know, these, Mm -hmm. they are not people that were trying to, you know, kill her in her mind. Like these are her friends who she just buried. And she's also got to be thinking about Anakin. I don't think she wants to fully believe in, you know, in this instance, Mm. um, what she kind of knows has happened. And I think she's thinking about that in that moment as well. And which is why she drops her lightsaber. Uh, She's like this, you know, this doesn't represent who I am anymore. This was given to me by someone who uh, isn't, you know, you know, who he is to me anymore. I, I, there was just so much, uh, like Hawk said about it being unspoken yet. You knew exactly what was going on with her, you know, in that moment, it was just, it was, it was so emotional, carried so much emotional weight. And, and I always say, it's like, it's, it's, it blows my mind that a cartoon can give me this emotional weight and, uh, you know, a, a, an actual feature film. And, you know, I, and I hate to bring it up again and rise of Skywalker couldn't even do that for me. So, uh, I just, I, this was such a beautiful scene. Um, because of this scene, I ended up watching Twilight of the Apprentice, which is, I think, the last episode of the second season of Rebels, because it's the first time that Ahsoka meets up with Darth Vader. And now that I've seen this scene, there's still, you can see in her fight that she thinks that it's 
Anakin at first. And then just because of how he's acting, she, she doesn't believe it's him until she, you know, cuts the, the helmet and sees his eyes. And just listening to Darth Vader's tone, his voice of him trying to tempt her to the dark side and how he can, she can join him. There's a lot of mirroring of him talking to Luke and, I don't think he necessarily wants Palpatine to turn her, but I think he trusts her enough that he thinks that they can be a duo again. And it's it's such a beautiful thing because you don't really expect that in a series that took place such a long time ago. And to bring it back in this final episode of Clone Wars, oh, it's just, it's it's so well done. <laughs> I just keep on saying that because it's just, it's so well done. I know. Anyway. That's r- Yes, this episode works so well because of the focus and that. I was wondering about what they were going to kind of end on with the Clone Wars. Were they going to try and introduce some something new in the storyline or give it a direction? The entire episode was focused on Ahsoka just surviving this mm-hmm. mess. Uh, and I, you know, right there is why it works. It's because there's just focus. There's, they don't need to jam it with dialogue. They just keep it focused on her and the events that are happening now. And mm-hmm. we all know what's going to happen next. I know me they and trust, they trust their viewer. Yeah. I know uh, as I was texting Julian last night, I was like, you know, Ahsoka is the heart and soul of Star Wars. She is everything that Star Wars embodies. And yeah. just seeing this episode cemented that. And yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth when you said that. It, 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 that is exactly what that is. I mean, she is the new hero. You know, you can't even say that about Ray, Finn, Poe. I mean, or Ahsoka, Luke, unfortunately. Yeah, or Luke, like, Ahsoka is an icon right now and she's a fantastic character she's my favorite thing about star wars um you know is she i I, you can correct me if i'm wrong here but i think that she has as a character um the longest arc of a character kind of coming from like a child all the way to an adult and then even you know probably like middle-aged to almost senior in that whenever that flash forward is uh, you know when after post return of the jedi and rebels Mm -hmm. um you know we've seen every stage of her life. And I think that's absolutely incredible. And we're going to see more, which is amazing. Yeah. So in post Jedi, she's supposed to be about in her species, like 40. Okay. So she's so, young still. Yeah. Never um, mind. Not mid forties. <laughs> yeah. Not seniors. <laughs> um, she, she was doing the whole uh, Gandalf the white thing. So I wasn't quite sure with the staff. I yeah. cannot wait. Um, yeah. So the final scene is something I didn't expect in this episode to to be honest and it takes place a number of weeks or months later and it's set on the same moon but it's it's winter time and you see the the downed ship and you see stormtroopers and and droids looking for something right we don't know what and these <laughs> footprints start the, or this breathing starts and you're like oh Darth Vader's here amazing and he goes to the the spot where all the troops are buried and he finds Ahsoka's lightsaber, picks it up, ignites it. He doesn't say anything. Again, this is all done in silence. And yet there's so much weight behind that. He looks at it as he's lighting it and puts it down. And he holds it as he, he leaves. And at that moment, I like you know that Anakin's still in there. There's still good in him. He went to go search for her. Like someone that he had connected with. Maybe it it brings up thoughts like I wonder if they had met up, would he have been able to turn to the good side sooner because of her? I don't know. There's 
I have so many questions, but it's, it brings a little bit of light to his darkness at that point, at least for me. I, I think you could always make the argument that Anakin, uh, you know, I think to a point in those early years was still very much struggling with whether he was actually Darth Vader mm-hmm. because he knew that Palpatine was using him as a puppet and he had all but been imprisoned in this suit without it. He's dead. And uh, without, you know, Palpatine, you know, giving him, you know, missions and stuff. He's basically, he's just a pawn. I do. I, I had to ask the same questions as you. I do wonder uh, had Ahsoka been able to get to him early on, had he, you know, turned against the Emperor? It's it's a very good point to bring up. Obviously, it didn't happen that way when they met up in Rebels. You know, he was, I think he was too far gone at that point. The only one that was going to turn him was his son. Yeah. Uh, I do think had it happened sooner, you know, Ahsoka was the one to do it. Having said that, and literally coming right off of watching Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan couldn't do it. So, you know, who was more important to him is the question, his Padawan or his master? I think his Padawan, to be honest. Yeah. Because when in the last episode shattered, when when Anakin turns, I don't think Obi-Wan had the same feeling as as Ahsoka did as soon as he turned, right? Even Maul right. with his connection to Palpatine, they had a pretty strong bond. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think Ahsoka might have been more important. That's why the lightsaber seems way more, there's more weight behind that as he lifts, as he took it. Well, and the fact that he ignited it too, right? Like mm-hmm. he didn't need to ignite it and he left that blue blade up for a long time. Like that means something for him. He replaced those crystals, you know, with, with Ahsoka's green ones and mm-hmm. put the blue ones in there. You know, this is something very sentimental to him. And listen, like Anakin was not someone who was afraid to show his emotions. He loved, exactly. he loved Padme. He loved Obi-Wan and he definitely loved Ahsoka as, you know, either, you know, a sister or even maybe a daughter. A daughter, I feel, yeah. Probably. I read this scene very differently in that, uh, I because at this point, I didn't know if Vader knew or not. He was probably searching for her remains at this point. I don't know if he's aware that she actually survived the crash. I don't think he did. Uh, I don't think he thought that she survived. I think that's what sort of made it sadder. I, there was a point where he turned to the sky and started staring at a bird that was circling over in that. And I was wondering what that was supposed to symbolize. Was it that he, his hope that Ahsoka was free of all this? Possibly. Maybe. Like she, she I, had been under such a scrutiny under the Jedi, you know, order. And if she's gone, then, then she's free. And he, he, she, yeah, he felt, he encouraged you know, her. He yeah. encouraged her to find her own path too. Exactly. After yeah. this. Yeah, and well, then the final thing. I'm oh, sorry, Hawk. Oh, sorry. The final scene, uh, uh, there were his reflection walking away in the helmet of the down trooper with her markings on it. And that, what do you guys read into that? I was more just still thinking about the fact that, like, I didn't see Anakin. I mean, uh, Vader yeah. standing there. I very much saw Anakin. I didn't read too much about the trooper's helmet. I just thought it was a cool final shot. If anything, yeah, I thought it was a cool final shot. Um, I did find it or a consequences, right? That. I found a bit foreshadowing in that I thought it might be to reflect her, you know, that this is not the last time he will see her in that and the impact she will have later on because she, she helped form the rebellion. Uh, I found yeah. it very, a little foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. You, Julian, you're going to say something? Before? I was. I, it just goes back to what we were talking about, about the Jedi Order, right? And how by the end of everything, they they weren't necessarily Good, good. They weren't like evil, but they weren't like the best people in the world. No, they really weren't. You know, Obi Wan mentions to to Anakin in Attack of the Clones that uh, 
you know, being expelled from the Jedi Order or leaving the Jedi Order is a bond very, it's very hard to do that. Like, they don't just let you leave. But no one was stopping Ahsoka when she decided to leave. Like, no one tried to convince her to come back. And if they did, it was like, oh, do you want to come back? No? Oh, okay, bye. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just a very different order than the one that I think, you know, had been in place for, in power for, you know, 10,000 years. Yeah, they I think the yeah, biggest. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, I think the it. biggest problem with the order at that point was they had become much too political and had strayed away from like their core values of uh, teaching and re- and maintaining the 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 religion of the force. Yeah, uh, which is kind of you know it it makes sense because you know somebody else who hated politics was Anakin. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely an arrogance to the Jedi Order at that time, right? Even Yoda says that the the younger ones had become more arrogant, but um, I'm going to go back to this documentary. Dave Filoni was talking about how he would talk to George Lucas about how the Jedi are at this point or during different points of the the timeline, and he said that, you know how Anakin says a gross, uh, aggressive negotiations in clone, mm-hmm. uh, Attack of the Clones? Yes. George Lucas would mention that they would sit down at a table and just put their hilt on the table and be like, okay, this is our negotiation. You're going to do what we say or this is going to happen. So there's definitely um, something there. So they're, they're definitely not the, the peacekeepers of justice. Well, or, I guess they are the peacekeepers, but it's yeah. their mm-hmm. justice in their... More, They're more in the sure. sheriff kind of way. Yeah. And that's all Palpatine, right? Like, that's exactly what Palpatine did. Like, Palpatine put those, you know, I think ideas in their head, like, by creating this army and turning them into soldiers instead of peacekeepers... Uh, they played exactly into his hands and what he wanted to happen. It was it was the perfect Sith play. It, it's, it was this perfect Sith, uh, Sith long game. Uh, the genius of Palpatine's plan. We we talked about this. At least his the genius before he sort of seemed stupid in Rise of Skywalker. Um, <laughs> just just it's so good. Like even throughout the whole series, um, you can see the Chancellor just like sort of nudging things in certain directions. And he's not doing it in an evil way, but you know it's evil because we know he's bad. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> it's so well done. Yeah, let's let's talk about this whole series, the series as a whole. Now it's complete. Um, what are our thoughts on it um, as a whole? Personally, for me, I think um, at least these last four episodes will always be in my viewing in my viewing list. Like whenever I watch May the Fourth stuff, those last four episodes will be shown because I think they're that important to Star Wars. Um, I mentioned this in our episode last night, but it is actually that important. Um, but I think this series has been able to do so many things that not just uh, films can do. Like we we understood Anakin way better. We understood Obi-Wan better. Um, the fact that Anakin had a Padawan brings way more weight to his to his turn than anything before. Yeah. And I just it I I love this series. And for someone who didn't like it at first, like I hated that first story arc with <laughs> that stupid little baby hut. It was it was so oh, annoying. Stinky. Oh, stinky. Um but to what it became is so incredible. I'm glad I stuck with it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh the thing I take away from this series as a whole is it wasn't so much meant to tell us the story of Anakin and Obi-Wan during this. This was this whole series for me was designed around the fact of introducing us to a new Jedi, 
a new character and a new Jedi and that, that we would eventually grow to love Mm -hmm. as much as Luke, as much as like any of the characters from the original, you know, and it was, it was sneaky. You know, Mm -hmm. this whole thing was a sneak attack. It made us love Ahsoka. And there was a lot of backlash to her when she first was introduced. I remember people hating her. I was like, why, why do people dislike her? (laughs) Somebody called him Dave Poloni's little pet project. Uh, yeah, which is funny since George Lucas uh, came up with her. Uh, yeah, for me, this series, uh, I didn't watch it from the beginning. I, I, I am very particular about cartoons and animation, so uh, it just wasn't on my radar. And then, um, you know, I think it was on Netflix pretty early on, mm-hmm. and uh, I just decided to binge it one day. And I hated Ahsoka at the beginning. I hated her nicknames. Yeah, you know, like yep. Sky Guy and Artui and calling the baby and I was like, I am going to hate this little Padawan. She's Anakin <laughs> should just go full Vader on her ass and like chop her whatever lake who's off, even though she's not a Twi'lek. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden, I have just fallen in massively in love with this character. She is uh, amazing. She is a badass. She is a hero. Uh, she, like you said earlier, Eric, the embodiment of Star Wars now. Um, and it's amazing because I think that was almost the point of her character, right? Mm-hmm. You know, she was a little shit at the beginning. Right? <laughs> that, that was the whole point. And you see her evolve and you see her grow into this amazing Jedi and then, um, you know, amazing person who had the guts and the wherewithal to to leave it. I think I think this whole series is really important. Obviously, there's a lot of filler episodes and not all of it stands mm-hmm. up. But, you know, I would say that if you're going to do a May the 4th watching or you just feel like watching these movies in a day, do the machete order and before you go back to Return of the Jedi, watch the final four episodes of season seven because they go right along with Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Oh, man. And seeing the turn of of Anakin back to the good. It's just, I can't, yeah. Words, no working. Um, <laughs> Lost. Ahsoka's Lost um, species, I know we didn't talk about it last night when we did our big uh, breakdown. Uh, she's a Togruta, T-O-G-R-U-T-A. Yeah. There's a couple other Jedis that also are that. She's, Shakti is the same yeah. species, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the, the series, I think... Um, really worked because of the music of Kevin Kiner. He did a phenomenal job. And I remember when I first started watching Clone Wars, I was like, okay, I guess this guy's just going to emulate John Williams the whole way through. But um, as the series went on, I think he evolved and then he moved on to Rebels and he wasn't just bogged down by having to make a Clone Wars like sounding music. So he moved off of that. And then when we came back to this final season of of uh, the Clone Wars, he definitely gave it his own sound. Like we, we've been talking about how good uh, Shattered and the Phantom Apprentice have been for sound, but all of the music this year have, has been so good. Any thoughts? <laughs> Again, yes. I think, I think you've nailed it. Not, uh, yeah. Uh, Kevin Kiner, you know, great he was great for the series but because he had the room to evolve in that and bring in more influence uh it, you know we've talked about like like how he knows how to bring in orchestral john williams music and that especially in this episode and that with the crashing ship and that everything mm-hmm. was tense horn blast going on uh 
when it needed to speed up the pace, we had that dun 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then at the poignant moments, he knew what had he knew to pull away from that and bring in something different. You know, uh, we've we've compared it to Blade Runner a lot. You know, and that's the music of Tangerine Dream and that. Um, yeah, he was. He, he, he's yeah. one. He, he's a great musical synthesis engine. He knows exactly what to bring to each scene at this point. Yeah. I loved that these last two episodes. I know Eric that you had mentioned maybe um, Shattered was maybe a little bit more alien. Yeah. Um. I, I thought that both were very much a love story and tribute to to Blade Runner. That's what uh, Hawk fantastic said. Score. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, at the same time, I think his music at the beginning of the season with the stuff that he did for the Bad Batch mm-hmm. and those episodes was like also so epic. And yet, you know, it's not Williams esque, but it's still Star Wars. And yep. it was a great theme for them mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna i'm gonna just gonna i'm gonna say this right now this can be a really unpopular opinion i think his score for this season was better than john williams score for rise of skywalker yep <laughs> that's not yeah, unpopular eric talked here about, i i eric definitely talked about that in the podcast last night that it's not um, necessarily that john williams didn't record a good uh, a good score for the mm, movie is that the the sound editors when they're placing his his bits of music and that would it, just it, drop them in the worst places it's not that the editors place the music so they sort of give when they're at when people are editing a film they give them a feel for a scene and they're like you know what this was we like what you did here but i think that this motif would be better and john williams would be like you know what i'm old i'm just gonna do that yeah um, because um julian once you get to that part of the podcast last night um message me because i go off for a while <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. um but yeah the blade runner-esque things the um kevin kiner was really good at building atmosphere and for a tv show um to not make it sound boring or at least the same all the time that's an incredible feat i would love to hear him do a film score i yeah, think if, it, if it's a one-off or if he does the next series i think that would be great i hope that someone gives him a chance at lucasfilm or i don't Atten- know attention taika watiti yeah right yeah right you, uh, you have to wonder who's taking over for williams because this was his last film right yeah. skywalker yeah. was his last film uh you, you know My- michael Gigachinko could uh, be put in there yeah uh kevin yeah. kiner maybe yeah it's it'll be interesting to see who, who takes the reins i know that i think you was it you julian who really liked the rogue one soundtrack I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but there are parts that made me really think, hey, that's Michael Giacchino. And I was like, I hated that, that I knew to that. To be fair, he had like four weeks to write the score because yeah. they fired, um, was it Alexander Desplat? Or, uh, Some, yeah, I think it was Desplat. Yeah. 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 They fired him and brought him on. So for, for what he was able to pull off in four weeks, it's really, and especially the, uh, the Guardians of the Wills, mm-hmm. I think is just beautiful. <sighs> yeah. The um, so this series now that it's done, how does it fit in the greater Star Wars mythos? Does it does it stand up against like I don't know the prequel trilogy slash the sequel trilogy? Does it fit better than either of those? What do you guys think? I'm not causing shit. I always, I'm just, I've, I just I've always <laughs> found this. Yeah, I know. I found this series always kind of you know it, in its later episodes help fill in a lot of the mythos. Uh, while it, you know being able to introduce more into it mm-hmm. uh, which was in itself was a brilliant task um i, th- I find it I, I, integral to understanding the prequels mm-hmm. at this point were you sad that they used hayden christensen in that one sequence 
where where you turn and you're like, oh, you could have just used Matt Lanter as Anakin and I would have been a lot happier. In which sequence? Um, when 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 Order sixty six happens, like they have that clip of Samuel Jackson, Hayden Christensen doing that turn when Ahsoka's looking oh, at the, the, the what she's uh, so yeah she hears it. Matt Lantern, like when he when he says, um, no, "What have I done?" It, it, he, the, the, that one specific part was Matt Lantern. The rest was Hayden Christensen. Apparently, they switched it for one line. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I meant I meant the whole <sighs> sequence. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> He had to pitch himself up for that. What have I done? <laughs> I done? Cracked a little bit. <laughs> you really don't like Hayden Christensen. <laughs> I hate him. Um, what about you, Julian? What do you think about it? Where does it where does it fit? Where does it sit? So it, uh, it, it's so conflicting, right? Because, you know, the, the, the biggest takeaway from the sequel trilogy is that there's no one coherent thought. It's a, it's a jumbled mess. Uh, and I think you could say a little bit of the same for Clone Wars as a whole because there's a lot of filler and there's some listen let's be honest there's some pretty bad episodes of the clone wars as well hmm. but if, if we're going to talk about this final season as a whole this final season is more of an embodying embodiment is more <laughs> of an embodiment of star wars as a whole and a more coherent thought process than the sequel trilogy it was much more uh entertaining and i think it's it's a very important television mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So yeah. now, so now that series is done, Ahsoka doesn't just have to live in our memories because she's moving to two other series. She's moving to live action season two of Mandalor- the Mandalorian, and mm-hmm. there's that proposed uh, Rebel sequel series with um, Sabine Wren. So we, which we all knew was coming. Yeah, we had to. <laughs> I, I need that in my life I, now. I need it now. Um, what do you guys think about this? That we get to see more Ahsoka and Ashley Eckstein. Eckstein, Eckstein. I think it's Eckstein. It's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for one, am excited to see her both in, uh, in an animated form and as Rosario Dawson. So I'm tentatively optimistic about rosario i i love it i love that she was cast but at the same time i'm like ridiculously scared on how she's going to translate to live action yeah she's such an awesome character in the animated form um at the same time as far as the the rebel sequel like i i've been wanting that since the the finale aired i just wish that they would started a new series right away <laughs> yeah uh i need that i need to know what happened to thrawn i need to know what happened to ezra and I need the the Sabine Ahsoka buddy cop show that we all want and, you know, are we, we need in our life. <laughs> yeah. We need. What about you, yeah. Huck? Totally looking forward to it. Uh, Ahsoka is probably the last great creation of, uh, of George Lucas. And uh, I'm glad that there, she's going to be celebrated. Not one, but two series. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you excited more for the live action or the animated? Um... I enjoyed the Mandalorian so much that adding her to it, it, it you know, is just astounding. It's going to be my, you know, my most anticipated show for next year. Um, but again, the Filoni did such a great job with Clone Wars and Rebels that, you know, how can I not look forward to her? Yeah. To, you you know, a, really double shot, a double shot, a double shot of Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. You can't really see Filoni letting Favreau screw up Ahsoka. Like he's heavily involved with Mandalorian. He's yeah. going to make sure they take care of his baby. Of course, and, and he's yeah. and he's back directing and writing yeah. for the second season. So wouldn't be surprised if he directed the Ahsoka episodes. You know, oh my God, yes. 
Yes. <laughs> it's the same timeline as after um, that uh, epilogue in yes. Rebels, too. So I wonder if we get to see a, a Sabine, too. Could you imagine that, seeing a live action Sabine? The Mandalorian, like, it was made for her to show up. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, man. Okay. I got really excited right there. Um, Fanboys. <laughs> any final thoughts yeah. on this, this series, this episode, before we head on? I'm trying to Dave think. Filoni is the chosen one. Yes. He's- That's all I got to say. Yes. Uh, I know not specifically this episode, but in Phantom Apprentice, it is uh, a better lightsaber duel than anything that happened in any sequel trilogy movie. I can even say in any of the movies, I think that fight um, was better than anything we had seen. Oh, yes. And that's actually what I want to say. They finally did the smart thing. And brought the two geniuses together and combined Ray Park with Sam Witwer. Yeah, you know, like the two finally they came did it in Solo made... too, but not as not as great. Yeah, not as <laughs> yeah. This was just such a oh, like these are the two people that make Darth Maul Darth Maul, and they got it right mm-hmm. in just like the perfect way. I I hope that they also got uh, Ray Park to do the the hallway scene because he does he deserves to <laughs> do everything for for Maul. He did. Both him and Sam Witwer did such a great job at portraying this character. And he's definitely, I don't know if Darth Vader counts as a villain in my head anymore. I think he's just a tragic hero. Um, but He's a something, yeah. He, mm. a tragic hero is actually really good. But but I think That's Maul nice. might be my favorite character, my favorite villain now. Because he's a villain through and through. Uh, and it's, it, I love that that really cool looking character from episode one that everyone was like, Oh, cool. I wish that he showed up and just kicked more ass was actually someone who's really smart and really amazing. I think I, yeah, I'm glad that the series brought him back. Yeah. Those are my final thoughts. Anyway, Julian, let us know what you have going on with you. Cause I know you have a lot. (laughs) We do. Yeah, we do. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we got our, our website up and running. Uh, everything is permitted.com. I actually just wrote a, uh, a season review on this final season of the Clone Wars. That's up now. You could read that. Uh, we have our 60th episode coming up while we're kind of be doing the same thing we just did here. We're going to be reviewing uh, the season as a whole. And uh, yeah, you can uh, you can check us out. We're everywhere you find podcasts, no specific place. Just listen to us. Uh, uh, everything is permitted.com again, and you can find us on social media at permitted pod. And if you don't, we will find you and kick you in the throat. No, we won't, but no, <laughs> you, should definitely, <laughs> you should definitely listen to them. They're, they're a wonderful podcast. Anyway, thank you guys for coming on and, and talking about clone wars. It's such a, such a wonderful journey as a star Wars fan, especially after the last couple of years to have something that topped off. And especially this crazy time that we're living in, to top it off with mm-hmm. this great Star Wars finale. Just just wonderful. Thank you guys yeah. again for coming on. Thank you for having us. Yep. Thanks for having me. And thank you guys for listening. We will be back soon. I don't I think we're gonna probably do a Westworld talk. We gotta talk we about do this. a summary at the end of yeah, this. Yeah. And we have our Final Fantasy review coming soon and a bunch of other fun stuff. So stay tuned. We'll we'll be bringing all the content, all the corn content. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for us this week on Geeks with Kids. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. 
follow us on Twitter at GeeksWithKidsTN. Check out our pics on Instagram at GeeksWithKids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.